It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. The other side of midnight presents the Midnight Files. Is a is an absolutely fascinating man. Also, someone who's intellectually gifted. He's a New York Times best-selling author of many books, including "The Day After Roswell," "Unsolved UFO Mysteries," all sorts "Space Wars," all sorts of books that have to do with UFOs, and a lot of other subjects that have nothing to do with UFOs. He's been the publisher of UFO Magazine and the editor of UFO Encyclopedia. He is also a PhD. He's also got a law degree and he was also an elected official uh, elected in uh, Pennsylvania. He may still be elected official. I don't want to demote him. And I am very, very grateful that he is kind enough to join us on this program regularly. Bill, it has been too long. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure always. Bill, let's begin with uh, with David Grush. Uh, this is the a decorated veteran and intelligence officer who appeared on News Nation a week or so ago to talk about some pretty revealing things. Here's a clip of uh, him on News Nation. Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles. You know, call it spacecraft if you will. Uh, it's probably not the right parlance, but uh, no kidding, non-human exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. That is pretty groundbreaking and pretty wild, made more wild and more groundbreaking by the fact that Grush had a pretty good reputation in the military and not considered a kook or a drug addict or uh, somebody that makes things up. What was your take on this uh, David Grush whistleblowing? You read my book. I mean, that's exactly what the day, that is exactly what's in the day after Roswell. The premise of day after Roswell was that after 1947, after the crash at Roswell, President Truman started the first reverse engineering um, protocols with um, integrated circuitry with the transistor and Corso himself took that over in 1961 when he was brought to army R and D. So the idea that we have craft, yes, there are craft at area 51. I saw one myself flying above area 51. 
We've known that for years. Uh, Bob Lazar, uh, these people are talking about, oh, that strange power and, and, and the incredible power of the propulsion device. Bob Lazar explained exactly what that propulsion was uh, 20 years ago when um, he said that he walked, he was um, recruited to be a propulsion scientist at Area 51. He said they were walking, he, he was shown a room and he looked in the room and there was a candle lit, but it wasn't flickering. He saw the flame, but it wasn't flickering. So he says to the person next to him, what's, what's, am I, what am I looking at? Is that a painting or something? And the person says, no, that candle is burning. What you're looking at is the propulsion system for the UFO. So it, it is so intense. The energy is so intense. It is, and this is what the guy said, it is pulling space and time across it. And that is how these craft are propelled. They're not just spacecraft. They're actually space-time craft. But they don't go through space. Space goes through them. And so it's almost instantaneous. And that's what Bob Lazar saw in that room at Area 51. And so the kind of um, statements that, that these folks have been making have been around 60 years, if not 30 years. I interviewed so that's the my response. I interviewed the reporter that broke this story for the debrief, Ralph Blumenthal, who's a very respected guy. He's a best-selling author, mm-hmm. and still a reporter for the New York Times. And I asked him a little bit more about what uh, David Grush had said and what he said to Blumenthal. Here's a little bit of our conversation last week. So uh, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility, or it's not unlikely or outlandish that he would be in possession of this information, whether or not he actually put hands on a craft or handled this material himself. He certainly interacted with people who were deeply involved in these very deeply secret programs. A number of people, Bill, uh, heard that interview and read the descriptions of what uh, Blumenthal wrote about David Grush, and they said, well, Grush is never said that he saw one of these craft himself, and he's never seen one of these uh, non-human people himself. Uh, does that take away a little bit of his credibility on this subject. What would you say to that question, to people that have raised that with me? Well, again, I would say this. Um, I've spoken to people who've actually seen the craft at Roswell. Walter Hout, Lieutenant Walter Hout, 509, acted almost like um, Bill Blanchard's aide-de-camp, but he Blanchard was a colonel, so he didn't have an aide. But how was the public information officer of the base? How was the person who revealed to the newspapers that a UFO had crashed at Roswell, flying saucer crashed at Roswell? He actually told me he was at the crash site. He saw the crash debris. He saw the craft in the hangar at the Roswell Army Air Force Base being loaded 
onto an army flatbed and trucked out of Roswell. He actually saw his commanding officer, Bo Blanchard, hold his hand up like four and a half feet high, indicating how tall these creatures were. So he actually saw that. From Roswell, that UFO and the debris were flatbedded to Fort Wiley, Kansas. At Fort Wiley, Kansas, one night, the night they arrived, Phil Corso, Philip Corso, was the uh, duty officer. He was the on-duty officer. And when he was checking with all the sentries, and you know that Fort Riley, Kansas, was seventh cavalry, home of the seventh cavalry, home of General Custer, and uh, they had stables there because it's a cavalry fortress. And in the veterinary stables, that's where they stored the material from Roswell. So Corso talked to one of the guards. We happened to meet; they were on the bowling team together, of all things, right? <clears throat> Go and see, goes inside, and that's where he sees the alien in a coffin. And what he said to me, it's in Day After Roswell, what he said to me was what was most scary about looking at that creature was that it looked human, but you knew that it wasn't. That's what he said. It looked human, but you knew that it wasn't. There's and been a Fort Riley, yeah. No, there's been a lot of talk this week of uh, showing classified documents, classified information, and I was listening to uh, the owner of our radio station, John Katzmatidis, the other day, and he was talking to Rudy Giuliani, and he made mention of the famous story of Richard Nixon showing some a, a flying saucer or maybe more to Jackie Gleason. You've got that yes, story in Jackie, your book. Yes. I know the story. Yeah, so yes, uh, fill exactly. us in on that and what the sourcing was for that story, if you would, Bill. Okay, sure thing. Jackie Gleason was fascinated by the supernatural. I'm serious. He was. He had a library that he said was bigger than Shirley MacLaine's. He was. He was that fascinated by it. And Jackie Gleason knew the story. This is legend now. He knew the story about this creature called Valiant Thor, who supposedly was from another planet. And Eisenhower tasked Richard Nixon to take Valiant Thor to the Pentagon. Gleason knew that story. And he bugged, he bugged Nixon every time they met. You, you, you got to tell me the truth. You got to do this. And Richard Nixon actually said, he said, Jackie, I can't. I can't, don't ask me again. We're not going to be friends anymore. Finally, one night, now this is in Florida. One night, and I'll tell you the source after the story. One night, Nixon pulls up to Jackie Gleason's house. Gleason is astonished. There's nobody in the car except Nixon and the driver. Get in. Gleason gets in. They drive to Homestead Air Force Base. The guard at the base is stunned to see Richard Nixon. Stunned. They drive on the base all the way to the remote part of the base. Nixon gets Gleason out of the car, ushers him inside, and just says, this is the one time, the one time. And he shows Jackie Gleason, the alien, in deep freeze in a coffin. 
And I heard this story from two people. Jackie Gleason supposedly was so shaken by this that when he went back to California, remember he was making the movie Nothing in Common with Tom Hanks at Sony. So he goes back to California. He tells everybody at Sony Pictures. That's how I knew the president of Sony Pictures told me the story that Jackie Gleason was all over the lot telling this story. So the person I called was Jackie's widow, um, Barbara Taylor. Remember the old Jackie Gleason show, the June Taylor sure, dancer? Sure, of course. Well, Barbara Taylor was June Taylor's sister. So she was Jackie's um, um, last wife. So I asked her, and she said to me, she said, when Jackie came back from Florida, he was a changed person. Now, he was always a heavy drinker, but he was a changed, changed change person. He'd seen something. He said he couldn't unsee it. And he told me what it was. And he said it was the alien in the coffin. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, Almost as incredible as the story out of Las Vegas last week that had to do with a call to local law enforcement. Here's a little bit of that 911 call. Okay, what's going on over there? Okay, lady. Me, my dad, and my brother, we're working at a truck in our backyard, and we have a big lot outside, right? Correct? Okay. We were working, and we just see in a corner of our eye something fall down from the sky, and it was with light, and when it hit down, it was like a big impact, and we felt it. We felt like an energy, and then, and, then, and then we hear like a lot of footsteps near us, and then we have a big, a big uh, equipment, and, and we see, and there's, a, there's like an eight-foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh, in, in, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so just terrified of it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're, they, look like, they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like, like I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and, and they're not human. They're 100% they're not human. According to the American Meteor Society, there were several reports of uh, a flash in both uh, Nevada and Utah. And shortly after the flash seen on the uh, officer's body camera video, which has been released, there was that 911 call that we just played. A man sounds obviously very frightened. The body cam footage has been released. A lot of people wondering about this. Some people speculating that it might be some sort of a prank or a hoax. What's your evaluation of this story, Bill? Well, first of all, I saw the body cam video with the uh, light. So, I mean, it actually is a falling light, but you don't know what the light is. I mean, it could be a shooting star for all you know. It could be a a meteor for all you know. So we don't know. And yes, it was seen by multiple people, but there's, it was, what I saw on the body cam video was a falling light. I didn't see it navigating or moving. That was one. And as far as the two creatures are concerned, I mean, when I was publishing UFO magazine, we would get that story every single month. Mm. Another person would write, and it would be the same thing. They were tall. They were nine feet. They had big eyes. They were glowing. I was so scared. That was the story we got. So I've heard this before. 
but as far as this Vegas situation goes, do you think that um, these people, what they're describing, do you think it was some sort of extraterrestrial? Or do you think it's it's something else here? Well, there's absolutely no way of knowing. Um, when they went to look at the property, there was nothing there. Mm. Nobody else saw it, just this one kid who said, you called 911. Um, and nobody else saw it. There were no other reports of creatures. <clears throat> so that you tend to disbelieve, therefore. Sure. That, um, right? Um, they could have been just big human beings, right? They were walking on his property and disappeared. Uh, attorney Daniel Sheehan made some revelations about a UFO whistleblower story. According to him, the crashed object recovered by the military said that it was much bigger on the inside than it was on the outside, and there was a distortion of time and space. Is this sort of a description consistent with the eyewitness accounts from people in the government or eyewitnesses that you've encountered? Yes, absolutely. Um, Travis Walton was a very famous story called Fire in the Sky, where uh, this person, Travis, well, friend, and he's a friend of mine. Uh, Travis Walton was a logger, and he's out in the woods with his logging crew, and he looks up, he sees a light in the sky. He doesn't what the hell a light is, right? He sees a light. It's awful big. Gets, they say to him in the truck, they say, don't get out of the truck, you idiot. Stay in the truck. Well, we're leaving. And no, 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 I want to see what the light is. Gets out, looks up, and a beam of light hits him, knocks him flat. Next thing you know, his friends see it. They, they hightail it out of there in the truck. Next thing, he wakes up, he's on board a craft. And what he can't believe is how big the craft is on the inside. I mean, it's like endless. And he realizes he's not on on the surface of the planet. They're in space. He's looking at this thing. And these creatures that are human, Frank, humanoid at least, on this craft, were worried that they'd hurt him with the beam of light. It was a defensive measure. They, they didn't realize that they'd hurt him. They wanted to make sure he was okay, so they deposited him back on Earth. But, I mean, it's the same story. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. We've heard that about the craft at Roswell. We've heard that many, many times. Another story, again, this is why we were so eager to uh, chat with you, because uh, this is a week that uh, there's just been a ton of stories regarding this stuff. A story about uh, an ex-Marine who, uh, base, Michael Herrera, talking with the Daily Mail, says that he saw a UFO being loaded with weapons in Indonesia in 2009 when he was serving there. Herrera claims an Air Force lieutenant colonel told him, you're not allowed to talk about what happened. You will go to prison or you will die. He says he was emboldened to break his 14-year silence by the new UFO whistleblower protections. And in April, he testified under oath about this story. 
Do you think we're going to see what well, you welcome to comment on Michael Herrera's story uh, to start? But I'm also curious if you think that what Congress has done will lead to more people speaking out about what they've seen. Well, the answer to the final question is yes, I think it'll lead to more people speaking out. Um, there, I mean, people in the military at certain, first of all, within almost every government agency that deals with sources and methods of defense and surveillance, like NASA. There are a group of individuals, a small group, that have um, SAP protocols, special access protocols. Special access means UFOs. That's what it means, that across various agencies, this was told to me by by one of the uh, people who was the head of NASA, John Schusler, who said he knew people who had that special access um, access, and he said that if he gave me their names, he would be killed. He said, that's how serious that is. But another person from NASA said she was standing by a photo machine as a strip of photos came out which had a black triangle on the surface of the moon and a photo expert was airbrushing it out. So yes, I mean, it it is well known through the government that there are groups within the government that have access to UFO information. Mm, Uh, Bill, we're going to have to end it there. I very much appreciate the time and the conversation as always. Happy Flag Day. Happy Flag Day. Bill, Have a nice day, Frank. Thank you. Bill Burns, B-I-R-N-E-S, if you want to check out some of his books on Amazon. The Day After Roswell is a great a great read. The UFOs in the White House is a great read. A number of books, just terrific. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 